0: Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. The drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 Charleston out
1: Charles
0: was once the rage History has turned a page of Home. The minute the current thing. Goes on, speed goes on. The drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain la da 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 de la da 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 The grocery stores are super mil. war. Electrically they keep a baseball score.
1: And the beat goes on.
0: The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. la di da
2: And uh, we're running a little bit wonky today, so um, I'm here by myself and I have no screener currently and I had uh, three guests scheduled and none of them are coming and I have a fourth guest that's scheduled and hopefully uh, he'll show up and if that happens... Uh, We'll be talking a little bit later with a man by the name of Hayden. And uh, let's see. Hayden Collins has a show called The Intelligence Syndicate on the Coffee Party Radio Network, which is kind of cool because for a while here I have been the only one that uh, was on. Oh, Becca's here. We got backup, Becca. Right on. Awesome. All right. This show's going to come around as it always does. Anyhow, um. The YouTube stream is on a new channel, so if you were looking on the uh, old channel, my personal channel, it's now being broadcast or podcast from the uh, Human Solution channel, and I just posted it on my personal uh, page, and hopefully people will catch that and share it, and... um, We'll have a live stream. We're going to have a double live stream like we've done in the past. And um, I got this fancy camera, but I haven't had time to figure out how it all works yet. So um, the, the YouTube channel is TheHumanSolutionInternational at gmail.com is the account. And um, I just shared it on my personal Facebook. Let's see if it landed there. We'll just slide on into the show nice and slow and easy. To, there it is. All right. And then let me share that over to the Human Solution page or the Human Solution group. I think that's probably the best place. Let's see if we can do that successfully. And we got that. All right. So the YouTube channel has been shared. Hopefully it's like the beach ball at the concert, and it's been bounced around a couple of times. And... Um, Now, today, I'm looking at the Facebook feed, which is going to be entirely confusing, I'm sure. Um, But I will look at it here. It looks like we got uh, Tracy Glor. How's it going, Tracy? Freelance Glor, all day long. Um, And we're going to free them all. You see, that's what this is about. This is about ending prohibition. It's not about some stupid law that doesn't finish the job. Um, We talk about that a lot. I'm at the point in my world, in my life, in my activist life, where I really want to see some action. I'm actually, frankly, getting tired. And it doesn't mean I don't love the people that I sit in the same room and say the same things over and over about. I love those people. I love doing it. It's almost then to sit there and hear the same people say the same things over and over again because it's reaffirming it's 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 comforting to know hey we got somebody on the YouTube channel all right Woo! the Human Solution International YouTube channel finally. is finally happening here so whoever you are thank you for being there and uh, jump on the chat and tell me who you are and we can start bouncing this around the goal here that we have is to bring attention to our website and you know why it's because Facebook generally sucks, and it attracts so much negativity, and it's so hard to get just a positive stream going through this public forum. But on the website, generally speaking, most of the people that come to the website are there because they want to be part of that thing that we do. And that what is that thing that we do? Well, we support human rights, basic human rights, basic liberties, that are bestowed upon us by our creator, inalienable. That means you can't take them away. Unless, of course, you're the government, and then you're all about taking stuff away. And that's what we're about, is teaching you about these rights, teaching you about what's right. You know, there's so many people that think, oh, it's the law, so that's what is supposed to happen. And we live by this code of it's the law, so that's the only thing that matters. And if you want to change something, you must change the law. Yeah, on some level that can be true. But let's look at history and let's see where the real changes happened. Let's see. The Revolutionary War, did we change the British law? Oh, wait, no. We overthrew the British and said, you don't get to be here anymore. And we risked our lives and we sacrificed and we fought and a few strong people carried a lot of people that were hemming and hawing and weak and really weren't into it necessarily all the way to the place where we had something that wasn't British anymore. I don't know, kind of an important theme. The suffragist movement, did they just change a law? Well, ultimately they had to change a law because the right to vote is actually a law. And you can't vote unless the law says you can vote. So that was an example where the law had to be uh, changed in order for women to get the right to vote. Same thing with the ability to own property. They couldn't just own property. The law had to say, well, you actually own it, or it wouldn't be recognized. And you couldn't get just a grassroots goal, unless you were really good at squatting, I guess, and defending your squat. And let's move along. I mean, there's all kinds of, of situations where changes have been made in addition to, instead of, uh, in two different paths, the law being changed. Let's look at alcohol prohibition. That was kind of an interesting one. You know, we had this uh, temperance movement going on out there. Actually, there's a band called Temperance Movement that opened up for uh, who the hell was it? And I think they opened up for Rush the other couple of months ago. Anyways, um, they were pretty decent. Anyways, that all being said, the Temperance Movement it was all about you know our Puritan uh, roots, and they said you know we drink too much, so we ought to not drink too much, and then they decided well we ought to not drink at all, and they passed a constitutional amendment. Now, could you all imagine today in this world of, I don't know, political sickness? I don't know how to describe our political climate anymore. It's disgusting. It It is dysfunctional at the highest level. If there is a highest level of dysfunction, it is our current political climate. The hatred between the two parties is despicable. And the possibility of anything positive getting done is impossible, because everybody's too busy hating on each other. Sickens me, completely sickens me. But the point was, at that time, there was enough unity in the government that they passed a constitutional amendment. That's something that was so horrible. And I'm not a giant proponent of alcohol. it's like anything else, you know, you, should, you have a right to it. If you're stupid with it, you ought got to be punished. If you hurt somebody with it, you ought got to be punished a lot. The YouTube channel is, it's the Human Solution International. I think if you type in the Human Solution International, you'll get to the YouTube channel. The link is on the Human Solution group page and my personal page. So if you click on that, you'll get to it. So I'm, we're sort of doing a transition here right now, trying to get everybody on to the same page. And I thank everybody that's been on my personal page. But we really can't um, run. Oh, it says we're waiting. Okay, I don't know then. Maybe we don't have a YouTube feed. It says it's It says it's running right now. It says it's live. So I don't know what's going on. Well, all right. So maybe we don't have a YouTube feed. I mean, you know what? I'm going to cancel this. I'm going to go back to the one I know that works. Give me one second, folks. Actually, let's see. We got anybody? Oh, we got Becca. Becca's going to get it on the line and talk to us while I bring up the next feed here. And we all love Becca, and we all love what Becca has to say. And let's see what she has to say today. Becca, welcome to the show. How's it going? You're going to save me for a minute while I try to load up the other YouTube channel.
3: It's going good. Um, I just went to the, the Human Solution International on my own without going through the link, and it's fine there. So I don't know why oh, the link well, is taking it to something that doesn't work.
2: Somebody said it wasn't working. So, um, maybe it I'll wasn't go working back when I went
3: through the link. It didn't work when I clicked the link. It said we were waiting, but when oh, I just go directly okay. to our channel, it works. Uh,
2: so. Well, there was a couple of people on it. Let me see if I can do it again. I'm still logged in, so this is all new stuff, folks, and we're trying to to make it all work here. We'll go live again.
4: Interesting. We'll call this
2: one take two. And we'll go live, three, two, one, and smile for the thumbnail and going live. Here we go. We're live again. All right. Let me try sharing that one again. Okay. We'll see if it works this time. (laughs) And we just posted it on my page. All right. There we go. Let's see what that did. Hopefully that did some goodness. All right. Anyways, um, so, Becca, how's it going? (laughs) It's going good. Good, good. We got it. A little bit of a clumsy start to the show, but we're all good. We got non compliant Mary in the house screaming, and uh, of course, back up, Becca, always carrying it up.
3: <laughs> I'm calling in so to talk about problem. our newest, newest? Yeah, yeah, newest letter writing campaign.
2: So, when we're talking about a campaign, um, I want to identify that our website thsintl.org is the human solution. It's not about a Facebook page. It's not about some Instagram page, which, of course, we have those things. But the website itself is that's that's where we operate from as an international organization. And one of the things that we're working on, especially in 2019, where we're you know tired of just talking about the problems, tired of talking about the stuff that's wrong. But actually, let's get, get to work. And we have uh, what they call a call to action. And uh, so why don't you tell us about the latest call to action?
3: I will. I'll give you some highlights on it because I know a lot about Michael's case already, but I did some deeper research and found some interesting stuff. Um, the most disturbing thing was that he's in, we all believe he's in prison for 42 years, for cannabis, but in reality, when I looked up his record, he actually got forty years for the antique gun they found. It wasn't actually for the cannabis because they used the multiple repeat offender rolling on him. so actually, he got all that time for the gun, the antique gun that did work take on his home. so I thought that was rather interesting. Um, I've been writing up an article about him I'll put it on the website. Um, separate from that is going to be our letter writing campaign. This one's going to be a little different because instead of us asking you to write letters um, about that person's personality or personal life or things like that, we're asking you to write to the very new governor. She was just elected. We're asking you to write her and ask why is he still in prison? And in the campaign outline that I'm going to put out, it'll have some um, particular points that I would use when writing to the governor. Um, namely which Michigan just passed legal recreational marijuana. So that's a really big point to bring up. They're the only one in the Midwest that's done it so far. He's also the longest-serving nonviolent offender in Michigan. Um, He has a perfect, perfect prison record. And the last governor, Rick Scott, denied him because he didn't like his nephew. So those are some pretty good points. And I also researched the new governor, And um, she is on record as saying that she would like to pardon marijuana offenders. So there you go. So I
2: think it might be important as we're laying out the, you know, we're going to put together a template of a letter. And um, I think it might be important to point out that we're aware of the fact that he's in there because of, uh, a gun law violation, regardless of how ridiculous uh-huh. it is, but at the core of this is really a marijuana case. And yep. uh, that he, he wouldn't be in there if they just went into his house and found that broken gun. He would only be in there because of these marijuana charges that he had. And they use, you know, it's a thing. I don't know if people realize. And, and I'm not here to have a debate about gun rights. Um, I feel very strongly about gun rights, but I'm not here to talk about what I feel. The point is is that the government has historically used gun laws as a way to weaken the defendant's position. And they do it by what they call as, uh, as an enhancement, uh, firearms enhancement. They got Chris Williams was facing 99 years um, because of gun laws because in Montana, where everybody has guns, he had guns. And because he got uh, charged with federal crime involving cannabis and he had firearms, they were able to enhance his uh, sentence up to over 99 years, which is why he ended up having a deal um, right there at the end of it. He ended up getting a good deal, but I, I think in no small part because we were there at the courtroom um, in Montana so it happens a lot in fact right now the federal's position um, even though it doesn't recognize medical marijuana and in, I know it's in the state of California for sure but I think it's a federal thing that if you go to to register a firearm if you go to purchase a firearm and now in California it's even ammunition you have to fill out an application and in that application, you have to check a box that says that you don't use illegal drugs, and of course, in California, I mean, in the federal law, which the, the um, ATF is absolutely a federal um, entity, so the, the the gun laws are federal laws. If you say I do not use illegal drugs, and you get busted on a pot charge federally and then they come in and find a gun that gun is absolutely a separate crime but not only that but it can take whatever mandatory minimum that you might have like in some cases you might have over a certain number of plants or or there's a threshold that they have that say if you did this then specifically you have this sentence that they claim you they can't get around. And if you have a weapon with that, or that they'll say that you lied on, a, on an application, they can, can handle it. And that's one of the ways that people got a life sentence on a first time offense, so not because of weapons, but because of um, conspiracy laws that are similar. They stack all these things together. And there's many cases where people are serving long sentences, life sentences and in and, and, you know, in, in Michael's case an over forty years. sentence. And it's because of these things. So these gun laws, regardless of what you think about guns, these gun laws attack our personal and basic freedoms and our basic liberties. Regardless again of, of what you think about guns, we have an inherent right to own a firearm, whether it's for target shooting or, or, or hunting or home protection or whatever it is. And, I, again, I'm not here to debate guns. But that simple thing, whether, whether you have a little 22 p shooter, um, that little 22 p shooter would be the same, and it could cause you to have a ridiculously long sentence. And I think that, I don't know, there's not a discussion about that going on. We have, you know, everybody's <laughs> celebrating that we... You know, these um, these laws are, are still making our position so weak that it, it's almost very likely that if you get if you're a typical American and you have some sort of a firearm in your in your household and you also have any kind of cannabis, it, it potentially could cause you a heap of trouble. So that's another. That's conversation.
3: part of why I highlighted that. Because when I saw that, that he got the bulk of the sentence was for that damn gun, that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that that's happening. And that's why he's still in prison. He's been there 22 years. The man is 67. It's time we let him go.
2: It's, it's absolutely time. And, you know, we've been, we've been working with Michael for almost six years now. And, you know, we really, Michael was very confident I like 100% confident. Me and Dee Dee Kirkwood had plans a year ago that we were going to go to Michigan and go pick him up cuz this was a done deal. And instead um, instead of it being a done deal, it completely it it, it completely fell apart. And you know with, with a new um with a new governor that doesn't have the stink on the the Flint uh, water deal that, you know, that the old governor was dealing with, um, all kinds of political blowback. Um, We had really believed that there was a pretty strong chance that he was going to do the right thing for that reason. Uh, But it turned out not to matter. Oh, shit. I just restarted the computer. <laughs> all right. Well, Facebook's did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Craig on. This is just... Do you this is, to get... Uh, it's got to restart.
4: Hmm. Prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is not... I was trying to do an update because
2: we hadn't updated it. The email is at a federal This
4: call is right. being recorded. Everybody's on YouTube now. <laughs> Pay up to decline the call or to accept 905 now. If you wish to block
2: anything to call. Thanks, Cecil, how are you doing today? Well, hello, Joe, from uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. I think we're about 25 degrees
4: outside, and uh, which is actually good for us about this
2: time of year. Yikes. I don't, I don't know that. I It might have gotten 25 degrees here twice in the last 20 years. <laughs> well, like I say,
4: that's from a little
2: bit north of here, where below zero isn't unusual, in, you know, in January. Well, it's we're actually getting rain out here, which is a good thing, but in California, we have this great cycle that on years where there's not much fire, uh, we don't get any rain, and then years when the fires hit us hard, it pours, and so tonight, we're supposed to be getting a big... It's the third wave of a storm system, and it's supposed to, uh, you know, if it hits as hard as it could, it, it could cause some earth to be moving pretty pretty heavily. But, you know, it's it's the hazard of uh, living where it's always nice. Here we live in the middle of a cornfield, but, but the only news going on here at the prison is today is the first day
4: they've officially missed the paycheck due
2: to the government shutdown. Oh,
4: so the
2: inmates
4: get hit in this government shutdown. Well, I mean, the inmates, we, we don't get a paycheck, of yeah. You know, we get a little stipend every month. But uh, uh, the officers get paid on the uh, 31st and the 15th. So today they officially missed their first paycheck. And uh, some of them are pretty distraught about it. I guess they don't have any... Money in reserve, even though they're they're paid really well. They, uh, I'd say most of them are paid in the 70s or 80s, and uh, uh, but you know some of them are pretty distraught. Most of them are are okay and just need to
2: tend to roll with it. You know, it, it, I find it interesting. I I uh I can't think that that would be a good thing for you guys to have the uh, guards. Um, be in any worse of a mood than they generally are, and I couldn't imagine that coming to work and not getting paid for it uh, would would, would cause the best moods. Um, I ha, have you noticed any kind of a in a change in their demeanor, or is everybody just sort of doing their thing? Uh, most of them are okay.
4: The ones that are angry, or you know distraught, including their union, which has been making a bunch of waves in the news lately. What they're mainly angry about is some federal employees are essential, some are non-essential. And we see that right here at the prison. Of course, the people that are the actual guards in the cell blocks, they're essential. But the people that work in the motor pool, they get paid the same and everything, and they're also employed by the Bureau of Prisons. They're non-essential, so they're sitting at home. Well, that makes the essential people angry because when the government comes back, they're all going to get paid their back wages and all that on the same day. And yet the motor pole people got to sit home and they had to come to work. So that's what they're angry about. you know, sadly, if they're angry about getting exactly the deal they bargained for, that they put in this much work for this much pay, but they're mad that the others, you know, are sitting at home and they'll get the same
2: pay. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be uh, entirely fair, but, you know, you know what they all say about that. You know, it's funny, we were, we were just talking about uh, the gun laws and how uh, there's a lot of people in... Um, in prison right now with sentences that are, you know, way beyond what makes any kind of a sense uh, because of gun laws. And uh, we were talking in particular about a, a state prisoner in Michigan uh, by the name of Michael Thompson. And uh, all right, the live feed's back up on Facebook, everybody. Uh, so hopefully uh, you guys can figure that out. Anyways, um, Michael is serving us 40 plus years term and um, you know he's got 20 years still to go and he's 67 years old and officially Becca did some research on it and this was a case that had to do with selling you know it was a bust uh, on, on a small amount of pot a couple of pounds and but when they raided his house there was a gun that was in his wife's possession that didn't even work. It wasn't a functional weapon, but they were able to use that, you know, because he had previous um, charges, uh, previous pot charges, so they worked, uh, you know, sort of like a three strikes thing on him, and they enhanced it with a weapon that didn't even work, and because of that, they got him a de facto life sentence, and we thought we had him out, but the new, or the old governor on his way out the door said no, and, uh, so now we're we're doing a campaign with the new governor, and we're, you know, trying to, trying to talk some sense into it. It
4: sounds like another one of those unreasonable charges. One of my buddies here at work uh, has no criminal history at all, and he's in his mid-30s, and they were kind of looking for people to, you know, as part of an investigation. So they came to his house, searched it, they found a gun that was legally registered and all that. They took him and tested him, and he turned up positive for marijuana. Let's call it from a federal prison. Well, testing positive for any federally, you know, listed uh, controlled substance made him a prohibited person in possession of a firearm, and he got uh, three and a half years in, here in the federal prison for it.
2: Yeah, we were just talking he, about that. How the the federal gun laws are, you know, it's, it's there's a lot of people that, you know, feel strongly about about gun laws one way or the other. And, you know, it's one of the many divisive issues of our of our nation. But the problem is nobody's really talking about how the government has used these gun laws to really make us vulnerable and to make it where a guy like that didn't even have any pot. <laughs> he just happened to have a trace of it in his bloodstream, and because of that, uh, what normally would have been a uh, a gun that wouldn't have been a problem, all of a sudden now he's serving a term, and makes no sense whatsoever. And I
4: mean, who are they really saving? I mean, with, what are they really doing for the American society? This, this man never shown himself to be a threat with a gun. <laughs> and uh, just because he, his, you know, your analysis was positive for marijuana, didn't even say he was ever high around the gun. I mean, it, it's really kind of absurd the way that a lot of these laws are, you know, how they exist
2: and how they apply. applied. Well, you know, what what's interesting, and again, I, I don't want anybody reading into what I'm saying here because I'm not saying what I think about guns and rednecks and alcohol, but. As it might happen, there's some of the the most pro-gun areas in the country. In many cases, are rural areas, places where the inhabitants might be referred to as rednecks, and there's a pro- giant propensity to drink a lot of alcohol in some of these uh, uh, in some of these communities. And there's no shortage of, of events where people get all drunk and get out there and pull out the guns and start lapsing away and yet there's not any e- evidence of any kind of mandatory minimum you know shooting well drunk sort of things they don't have any kind of uh, that i'm aware of maybe they do somewhere but they certainly don't anywhere i'm aware of have these gigantic enhancements that have a mandatory sentence if you have a firearm, and you happen to have been intoxicated sometime recently, um, you know, with alcohol or even prescription drugs that are oftentimes much more impairing than cannabis might be. Nobody's talking about it though. It's not a thing.
4: Under federal law, actually, being drunk in possession of a firearm is is a crime because it's being under the influence of anything. Makes you a prohibited person, you know, to possess a firearm under federal law.
2: But you wouldn't so kind get. Of that way. But you wouldn't get like a mandatory minimum sentence because of that. It, it, it is and should be a crime. I mean, you shouldn't be drunk shooting a gun. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not a. I'm not thinking that's a good idea. But what I'm saying is, if you have pot and you get charged with a pot crime, and you have a gun, the enhancement that would come on you would be significantly worse than just the charge of, you know, being under the influence while possessing a firearm. I agree, and
4: I I, I think that there is one distinction of uh, um, if you're stumbling drunk and you have a firearm in your hand, that's obviously a dangerous situation that our laws need to address. But now, people might sit around and drink six beers in your family room and you had a gun in the gun closet, you know, in the, locked in the gun cabinet. That should not be a crime, but under federal law, it actually is. And, and to me, that, that's why people are afraid of more gun laws, because some of them, you know, lead to absurd results like that.
2: Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, when I was in Kansas a few years ago, and we were supporting, uh, you know, that, that case that the guy was facing uh, life in prison on it, what they call the felony murder rule law. And when we were in court, I can remember we were outside protesting, and I saw more people walking around with sidearms um, just, you know, holstered. Mostly they were uh, semi-automatic, you know, pistols. And uh, mostly they were neatly tack- tucked away in a holster. But uh, I had to think about that, that I wonder how many of those people that were walking around the streets of Kansas in a place where cannabis is so illegal. I had a friend of mine. Check this out. I had a friend of mine who was driving back from Tennessee. He had to, He drove this out to Tennessee to, to collect some money from a guy. And on his way back from Tennessee, he got pulled over in Kansas. And he had a dually pickup truck, and you know, in farm farming areas, that you wouldn't think that would stand out. But that cop pulled him over and took out. He had one of those uh, toolboxes and a a diesel fuel, you know, you know refueling thing in his truck, where you know you had a little diesel pump and whatnot. And that cop took him out of the car and asked him some questions. He said he had a little bit of pot. He showed him the pot. He said, It's my personal and you know, that was it. And they took him out and they started shoving cameras down his gas tanks. And they were they they had these little little you know, remote cameras that they were shoving down these long tubes. They said they searched every little corner of his car. The guy had just rebuilt his transmission so there was, you know, some some fresh fresh screws under there. And the guy was just grilling him over this and the guy had nothing. I mean they they didn't literally physically tear the truck apart but they shoved a camera up every orifice that truck had and uh it ended up letting them yeah. go because they didn't find anything but i just thought to myself there must just be nothing happening over there i mean i, I couldn't even imagine uh you know the invasive searching uh, with no probable cause i mean you know he he, he showed him he said yeah i got i gotta i gotta Couple of junks with the pot here. Yep, there. And look, luckily, they didn't ticket him for the pot. They let him go on that. So they were they were looking for uh, bigger fish, I suppose. I, I know, in my personal experience, my pickup
4: truck uh, was searched. More diligently than I've ever been searched, you know, crossing back and forth to Mexico or back and forth to Canada, they would search more diligently when I was crossing the line from uh, Michigan to Indiana <laughs> by by probably about 15 different officers. And wow. then, uh, but they had, like you said, they had mirrors and cameras and lights and you know all kinds of stuff. And uh, and I mean I I don't I have any idea you know why they even pulled me over in the first
2: place. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. Well, I want you to know that last week after the show, we had a, a headquarters chapter meeting here at my place. And um, we had, um, I don't know, about 10 people that showed up for the meeting. And we put out, we walked through um, looking up the congressmen, both congressmen, or our congressmen and both senators, and we got out two to three letters per person um, to each of the representatives based on the letter that you wrote. And um, we got that done, you know, in about an hour. didn't take very long. Well, thank you, because I, I think that makes so much sense, and I think it's an easy sell that, like, for me personally, with no prior criminal history, had I been convicted of rape,
4: my sentence would be about 33 months, but instead I was convicted of a marijuana conspiracy, so my sentence is life. There's, there's something wrong with the laws that lead to a result like that, but it should make perfect
2: sense to our you know, congressman that. And there goes Craig. So, for anybody who's listening right now and doesn't know who Craig is, Craig Cecil is a man who is currently serving a life sentence in federal prison that means unless we do something dramatic he's going to die in federal prison for pot and he didn't have any pot he was a truck repairman who fixed trucks and some of the trucks he fixed happened to be smugglers trucks and they would go up and do their thing and they'd tear their trucks apart and he he fixed them but that's not all he did he was a truck mechanic And it just happens that he was helping out this crew and their trucks. And um, when they busted the crew, everybody ratted on everybody, and Craig got tied into it. And due to our conspiracy laws, Craig ended up with a life sentence as a first-time nonviolent offender. And, you know, I talk about making real change. And, you know, I the lack of patience I have for people's little pissing contests and Facebook, you know, wars and all the bullshit that happens. Meanwhile, there's a man like Craig Cecil who's, for all intents and purposes, a really good guy. I've known him for about six years. And I can tell you this. If I was locked up in federal prison for life, I don't think I would have – nearly as good or focused or positive of an attitude as he has. And I don't know how into helping other inmates I would be, especially when my I lost my marriage and my, my son died it, while I was in custody. I couldn't even imagine these things. Lost all his property. I mean, just every horrible thing that happened, not to mention being locked up and Obama's commutations or uh, came along and nothing and here we are now 2019 and we got a man locked up well not just one man many men locked up life without possibility of parole that's how it is in federal prison so hey mike hopefully you guys can call in and i can hear about your story we got mike and sarah were up at the capitol building in kansas yesterday and uh, I want to hear about what what happened there. So, anyways, um, I'm going to get back to Becca, and then we have our guest, Hayden Collins, is going to be here. He's sitting on the line, waiting right now, and uh, so we're going to continue the conversation about the work in prohibition. Who's with me? You know, who's really willing to dig in and work? Because a lot of people want you to like their shit. A lot of people want you to donate to their shit. A lot of people want to bitch and whine and moan about their shit, but when it comes down to actually helping us end prohibition, pretty small list. It's growing. It's growing, and I hope that you can be part of it, part of the A-team. Anyways, we're going to get back to Becca. She's going to finish the conversation about this call to action. Becca, welcome back. I, I, I know uh, you know Craig gets to cut through everybody's line, but um, we, we oh, yeah. you were telling us about this conversation with Michael Thompson, and um, you know, we're we're crafting a template on the website. Oh good, Chris Hollis with you, awesome, awesome. That's a little little unity in the community, I love that. Um, Anyways, uh, we were talking about, see this is what happens, normally Lisa is sitting next to me with the Facebook feed, and I can't see all the people that are yapping on it, so I get to stay a little more focused, which is difficult enough for me, but um, today I'm sitting here looking at it, and they're all coming up, so I get sidetracked. So anyways, we were talking about the letter that we're going to be writing, and you're going to create a template letter that somebody can literally just copy and paste and put on, you know, address it to the governor, but we can also take and modify it. By copying and pasting it, you can keep some portion of it, you can read it and write it in your own words. Uh, you can write a totally different letter, but to understand the points that we have. and We're talking about this elevator pitch and having a short period of time to make a very important point. And this is a perfect example of that. you got the governor of Michigan that has the power to pardon and release Michael Thompson. At any moment, the governor, this is a state prisoner, that governor could say, now, let him out, and he'd be out in 30 minutes. But 20-some years later, he's still sitting there, and uh, this is our chance. So tell
3: us a little bit about what your thoughts are. I I really encourage everybody to write their own letter um, to make it unique, but if that's not your thing, then please copy and paste. Um, The big thing why? Right now is such a good time because there's a brand new governor, and like I said, she's on record, and I quoted this, and this will be included in the talking points. That since recreational marijuana was passed, that she is one of the first things she plans on doing in the new year is revisiting offering people pardons and clemencies for marijuana crimes. So this is like the time to do it. We have the best shot of getting Michael out of there right now than we've ever had.
2: So. Well, I couldn't agree more, and um, I, I'm drafting a letter to Michael right now, letting him know about what we're doing, and, uh, you know, certainly want to get his input about if there's something specific he has to say. But I think that right now this needs to just come from us, these letters going to the, to the governor. So, um, you know, Becca, this is something that is really easy for people to participate, uh, you know, Hop on the website, go to the thsintl.org, and you can click on the call to action. And um, in a short period of time, exactly what that call to action will be there, and um, we'll be able to start documenting it. And trust me, anybody gets a response from a public official that you sent a letter to, you send me that letter that you sent them and the response that they got, and there's a nice prize in it for you. So I am more than willing to bribe with whatever <laughs> swag we have, Willow Creek Spring stuff, I will hook you up. You show me one of those, and we will we will mount it on the wall like a trophy. So definitely, <laughs> um, you know, hey, I, I mean, it's easy. I, I don't, you know, we got stacks of them here. But people, if if you start engaging these people, you know, they say a letter is worth 1,000 phone calls. And a, thousand, and a phone call's worth a thousand thoughts. So for everybody that thinks about something and whines and bitches about it on Facebook or talks among their friends but doesn't do anything, for a thousand of those, one person will bother to pick up the phone and call the public official that could possibly affect the situation. And for a thousand of those people that pick up the phone, one of them will write a letter. So the power of a letter, and, and the thing that people don't realize and, Alan, that's awesome. Thank you so much. The thing that people don't realize is that elected officials will write you back. And the first time they write you back, it's probably going to be a cookie-cutter response. But if you write them back a second time and address that cookie-cutter response, they'll actually communicate with you. And if you can open up a dialogue with an elected official on their term, and I don't know, I'm not a big fan of email because it's I it's just, so disconnected but to write a handwritten letter i don't mean even typing it up i mean literally hand write a letter take your time and write a neat letter there's something so personal about that you ever get a handwritten letter and read it working with inmates all the time we get handwritten letters because they most of the time can't type sometimes i, I get i got a typed right written a typed letter from craig and michael thompson but most of the letters we've gotten in the past have been handwritten it's almost like Talking to the person, looking at their at their cursive or their or their printing, um, there's something just really personal about that, and it's a thing that's almost lost. I don't think I don't think most uh, high school graduates today can even write. To be honest, I, I don't I don't know that they can spell their <laughs> name in cursive. You know, I you I don't know cursive anymore. Cursive nope. I don't think they even. Do. You know, can you sign your name here? Uh, what is that? You know, here's my emoji. They it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Ridiculous. But that's the world that we live in now. And so what that means is that the power of that written word is huge. So we're all walking around with loaded elephant guns of information and our thoughts and our opinions. And these MFers work for us. They work for us. That's their job is to represent us. You know, I don't know if you guys get it, but that word representative, look it up. <laughs> They're supposed to uh, listen to their constituents and, and, and cause policy to change. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, if we speak to them in a personal and real way, and make a connection with them, you'd be surprised. You know, lobbyists, people don't. Oh yeah, I'm a lobbyist. Whatever. You know what you do? You're just where they are. That's all a lobbyist is. You're where they are. So you get to actually have direct communication with them easily. That's the only thing a lobbyist has on us. And you get it. Usually they give away stuff so that they get their attention. But sure of that, we're all lobbyists if we want to be. You want to lobby somebody? Get in touch with them. Talk to them. Tell them what you think. And this is something that I couldn't think of something more important. There's a man who's been locked up for more than 20 years for the so-called crime of selling a plant and having a gun in his house. What the hell are we doing here, folks? Yeah, how come? How come this is happening? <laughs> Anyways, and I'm laughing, but it's not funny at all. It's actually pathetic and sad. And while we're sitting here, you know, politically crippled because everybody hates each other so much and is unwilling to come to terms in any way to actually get something done, so much so that we got a government shut down. Yeah, they do need to be reminded that they work for us, but we got to be effective about it. If you go around yelling at them, you work for me, they just shut you off, but why not open up a real dialogue? Why not actually have a conversation that says, hey, listen, I'm a legitimate, concerned citizen." I'm a voter. I represent people like me. And here's what I think, you know, if you come in in, in a, in a point of view that's, that is, you know, be smarter than them. You can be militant and eloquent at the same time. You can be, you can be angry and effective at the same time. You can be um, inspired and, and, and thoughtful at the same time. You don't have to be a buffoon just because you're pissed off. And I think that, so many times the ones that are angry enough to do something are just they stand out as, Oh, there goes another one, look at him you know, and and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you look at some of the, the, the leaders, some of the people that you know, Becca I'm still listening to that uh People's History of America, a powerful book. We're up up to the Vietnam War now. And and through this book through this story of of history told from the people's perspective, um there's a few strong leaders, a few strong people that were effective enough to cause some change, you know and yeah, classy, not trashy we don't have to be uh, destructive to be effective and 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 I completely agree with that so you know where's the next where's the next one probably somebody that's listening here uh, or somebody that's talking on a show or being part of this you know the next leader we're all. We're all leaders if we're willing to get up and talk and willing to get up and move and do something and share with somebody else what we're doing. We're being leaders, and that's what we need. We need more leaders, and we need more people willing to take action, and it needs to go viral. Becca, thank you so much. I appreciate this, and I'm looking forward, um, you know, to, to watching this one go. Hopefully, this one will take off and go viral, and we'll continue promoting Craig's letter. and um, Now, this is stuff that anybody can do from wherever you are, and I think that's the most important thing. You can be crippled. You can be um, busy. You can be, um, you know, computer illiterate, and you can still do this. And it's simple enough that if you can't figure it out, your kid probably can. And let's do it, folks. Let's get her done. All right, Becca, anything else you want to throw into the mix?
3: No, just do it. Just do it, like you said. Just do it. Act. Speak up. Remind them who you. Michael is.
2: Exactly. We gotta let. We gotta let everybody learn about Michael's case and get out there and do something about it. So, all right. Thanks so much, Becca. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. All right. We've got Hayden Collins up next, and uh, then we got Mike and Sarah, um, our chapter coordinators from Kansas, and. They just uh, came back from a, a trip to the Capitol, and they you know, the, the the Kansas team is growing. It makes me happy to see the Kansas team grow and gathering some steam and getting up there and talking to us. I can't wait to hear about this. So, all right, Hayden Collins. Um, Hayden Collins, I don't know Hayden. This is my first time talking. But, um, Hayden, welcome to the show. I, I understand you're uh, new to the – New to the Coffee Party Radio Network.
5: Yes, indeed. Uh, got, got hooked up on this. So we have our kickoff officially this weekend, but uh, the show has basically been effective for almost a decade. We rotated in from uh, iHeart Radio, and
2: here we are. <laughs> well, fantastic. you got a nice radio voice. I like it. <laughs> um, why, don't you, why don't you tell us about your show, The Intelligence Syndicate?
5: Well, and this is the interesting thing and how it kicks off. We uh, were part of the university network system when the university network was up and running, and that grant program ran out. So what we did is we approached each one of the universities and talked to their uh, groups and said, guys, if you want to be on the show, we'll provide an internship. And we provided an internship for each one of them. So we had 14 universities on the air at one time, but for each student – they have the opportunity to gain something and put something on their resume besides the fact they went to school. So there was marketing opportunities, on-air personality opportunities, quality, writing, producing. And then we travel from each one of the universities and do roundtables live at each one of the universities. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting trek. We, uh, we gave a lot of fun, and we haven't been kicked off of a university yet.
2: <laughs> well, then you're failing miserably. Hell, if I got out there, that'd be my goal. Kick my ass out of here. Let me know that I'm getting something done. I'm just
5: messing with you. Anyways, so... Well, we we, we take more of an educational approach to matters. I'll give you a wonderful example. I will not mention the university, but we were in uh, California after the election. One of the roundtables, we had uh, two libertarians up there, two Democrats, one Republican, uh, a Green Party individual. And we're all on stage together talking about issues. And then we open up the floor at the end of the roundtable for comments from the audience and questions. This doctorate student who's working medical, very intelligent individual, uh, very hard-pressed for his work, trying to cure cancer or something, I'm sure, got up and said, you know what? I'm very upset about this election. I've never been involved in politics, but I'm going to get involved now, and I'm going to get more people to vote in California, so next time we win. And... I, the kid next to me, I grabbed his hand and stopped him from making a comment. I said, "Hold on," I said, "You do know the, the electoral college doesn't work that way." <laughs> and he goes, "No, that." He goes, "No, that's okay. I'm a Stanford graduate."
2: Oh, jeez. Well, wow.
5: he had no clue. said, keep in mind, his focus is medical.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I <laughs> mean, they have two that's supposed to
5: go in as part
2: of that, aren't they? I mean. Isn't there still government classes and like you
5: know basic civics? No, not 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 at graduate student level. You you specifically focus in your field of study, and usually you find yourself doing uh, doctoral programs. Like at Argonne National Labs, doing advanced photon study source. Uh, there's uh, Argonne National Labs. There's Brookhaven National Labs, and each one of the universities have their federal grants to do research to support those labs. So so you
2: know. But, but you had to take general ed to get to that place. I mean, I can't oh, I yes. can understand
1: yeah. Yeah, the,
2: the focus of education <laughs> for a specialist degree. And, yeah, I mean, in order to get to that level of, of study, you gotta you got to be pretty narrow in your focus. But to get to that place, you know, you, you're making a basic assumption that you get out of a four-year college, you should have a general understanding of how the world works, I would think.
5: Uh, I would think as well, Um, but the first two years of college are usually your 101 courses and 102 courses, especially for your bachelor's programs, so you would expect this would come from high school, Uh, but since 1979, we've seen the United States um, high school program drop from number one in the world to number 17 because the competition in the United States has stopped. They've all tried to put it under, and I'll use the core, the name Common Core, although it's not. It's gone through several revelations. Every time there's a new funding mechanism, they have a new name for it, Race to the Top, whatever. So every right, time right. that happens, you know, we do it. Now, I'm in the middle of my doctorate program right now, and part of my doctorate program is I have to teach with uh, high school students and work with them. To give you a perfect example, if you open up your kid's history book to the Mayflower, it's one paragraph. Wow. They talk about the Mayflower Compact being the first attempt at socialism in the United States. That's what it was. And for those of you that don't know what this is, we won't go into detail. I'll allow you to look it up. But it was the very first attempt at socialism in the United States. And the way it worked, half of them died. And if it wasn't for foreign aid, the other half would have died before anybody got back from England.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot of history that never... uh never quite made it to the history books. It's, it's an interesting paradigm if you, if, you, if you look at multiple sources of history and, and you look at historical documents and then you look at what is printed in the textbooks. You're, it's, it's interesting how certain things are, are, are dramatically highlighted and other things are glossed right on over.
5: Oh, it is. It is. And that's part of the intelligence syndicate. We bring things out of history and bring it back to match current events. What we were talking about, we were actually discussing this with a group of individuals who swore up and down that socialism would work inside the United States. We just have to try it. It's never been tried before. And we effectively showed them that it had been tried before. And what happened when they had all of the available resources to them? Then it was green.
2: <laughs> yeah, there, there's, I mean, you know, and and... I, I would like to come on to your show and listen to some of the more political uh, conversations. I try to keep politics out of this show as much as I can, because we have a focus of, of civil rights. And, and today, in, in, in today's political climate, I think it's as dysfunctional as it's ever been. You know, I I made a comment earlier in the week about it was just 20 years ago our 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 budget was balanced. And now look at us. <laughs> There we're trillions of dollars in debt, and the government shut down, and everybody's pissing on each other because of their their political spectrum bent, and it, it, it's, it's as much of an impasse as it's ever been. And you know, if people are voting because they're pissed off, and they're they're you know, I, I I'm curious to see how this next election cycle runs. I'm I'm, I'm suspecting and kind of hoping there's going to be. 50 to 100
5: candidates for each party running, but we'll see what happens. Oh boy. Okay. Let let me bite my tongue and help you with this one. I don't know what state you're in, but you you have a lot of people listening from different states. So let I'll take it. We'll have some fun with this. I'll use Georgia as an example. Now, 80% of the people in Georgia are not allowed to vote. Now, let me walk you through this. I'll walk you through it. You have to declare a party in order to vote. If you don't declare a party, you can't vote the state of Georgia. All elections in the state of Georgia are decided in primaries. Very few of them, well, the governor's race this last time, was actually decided in a general election. So effectively, the average citizen who has the opportunity to vote in the general election, the decision's already made before they get there, and they never had an opportunity to participate in the decision. So the two-party system has isolated itself, so party members select the individual and control that party member regardless of where they go because only party members are allowed to vote. In most states, it is like that.
2: Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, I I, uh, I have I have been an anti uh, two party system since since well, 1980 was when when uh, I got introduced to the you know I was I, I voted for the first time in '84, and uh, from the very beginning, you know, there was we were super polarized back then too. That was the year Reagan got into the into office. And, true uh,
0: true
2: but but even then it seemed like there was some kind of uh uh effort to to work together on some level, even if it was all bullshit it was still it was it was it was there was an appearance of cooperation on some level
5: well and, indeed, and I believe it's because they had a common enemy, a common enemy. of course yeah it, as long as they have a common enemy they, common enemy. they, they will partially work together. This, this wouldn't right, have happened. Right. We would not have a, a shutdown during the Cold War. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> oh, you
2: know, don't we know. Do. Don't know That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you take a war out of it, and I don't know. We don't know what to do, but hate each other. It's like you got to focus Indeed. on something. Indeed. You know, and, uh, you know, I've supported – the only political work I ever really did was I supported a libertarian candidate for Congress uh, about four Four years ago, and uh, he got pummeled by the Democrat um, in the primary. Or, or no, yeah, the primary. I think it was it was the top two got to move forward. So he, right, he oh, so you're in close. a jungle primary
5: system. Okay, you you are in a jungle primary system where you vote, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. So it was. Okay. He didn't even come close. And and you know the budget behind the the, the Democrat was you know. 40 times what his was, and he was putting his own money into the, you know, the Libertarian Party he didn't have any money to give him, so he, he financed his own campaign and did a lot of grassroots movement, but, um, you know, it was uh, it was business as usual. The incumbent came in and stomped all over him.
5: Well, I like, I like what California is doing to modify their voting precincts now. They're talking about a modified jungle. I read about it. I don't know how far it's going to go, if it gets out of committee or not. But the two people, the two front runners with the most votes, have to be from different parties. Now they can't be from the same party.
2: Well, if that if
5: passes in the state of California, that's going, be that's going to be revolutionary.
1: Right,
2: right. Well, let's let's see what happens. You know, I am from California. We've we've done some revolutionary stuff in the past, but it always seems to swing back around to to things that don't work so good. But we'll see. Maybe this one will will take off. So the, the theme of, of your show, generally speaking, is our, our political, um, political conversations?
5: Indeed, and it's specifically from the youth. It's them presenting their ideas. And we try to attach it for, to a historical point of view to show everybody, don't panic. We've been through this before. Uh, when Madison was president, it was so polarized the Senate wouldn't even talk to him. So the most wonderful woman in the world got involved, and I'll let you know, she is so good, she stopped an entire army by herself. Dolly Madison, when Madison was president, they attacked Washington, D.C., and the British were coming to the White House. She prepared an entire meal and then took down all of the portraits of George Washington and everybody else and rolled them up and put them in a cart and escaped as fast as she possibly could. And the British were so vain... They stopped to enjoy the meal in the White House, and the whole army was stopped for five to seven days, which bought her husband time to reorganize and come back and kick them out. But can you imagine what would have happened if they had the portraits of our founders dragging them through the mud of Washington, D.C.? Oh, boy. She. Well. She is the only individual, buddy, in the world to ever have a seat in the House of Representatives that was appointed. And the entire Washington, D.C. was shut down for her funeral, and black tarps were put everywhere. Wow. But keep in mind, the only reason he got the Senate to cooperate with him. Have you ever heard of Dolly Madison Sweets? Sure. She used to make sweets, and she would invite senators over for conversations, and then the president would just sneak into the room to where they could not escape, and they would be forced to have a conversation with him. (laughs) She manipulated armies. She manipulated the Senate. She manipulated the House. And that hot babe was the strongest first lady we ever had. Love it. And she I fought polarism. It. And so we're polarized well, now. There you go. Same same. <laughs> See, that's how it works with Joe.
2: I think the good thing about all this is as, as, as dysfunctional as it is today, the one thing about this nation is it's got the ability to be something totally different tomorrow. And Indeed. you know, we have we have that ability, regardless of whether we use it or ignore it or what, but we have it. And, you know, that's part of the 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 issue that I have. And you know the, the focus of our organization is ending cannabis prohibition right now. We're a civil rights organization and we support all kinds of civil rights but right now um, cannabis prohibition is just an obvious elephant in the room and all of the disparity between classes and races and all the problems that have come uh, that, that cannabis prohibition has been used as a tool to further these things it's you know since 1937 it's it's just been this this tool and I just think that it is such a ridiculous, concept that a plant that has never hurt anybody, that there's no record of a single person ever dying from it, and yet there's still this war against it, and it's not a war against the plant ever, it never has been, but against the people that want to use it, and against the the freedom that this plant actually represents. I mean, consider this, if you're able to grow this plant freely without any additional taxes or regulations, or all the BS that, that, that even in the legalist places there are, if you could do it without those things, there would be people able to develop medicines that haven't even, we can't even study this plant, much less really develop serious medicine with it. There would be developments in plastics and fuels, in all of the different chemical. You know, we talk about doing things green this plant has the ability to do virtually most of the things we do with uh, fossil fuels, we could do it with this plant. And yet, today, here we are in 2019, in the free world, with quotes on it, and people can and still lose their property, their jobs, their children, and their freedom simply by having and doing things with this plant. So what are your thoughts on Prohibition?
5: Well, I'll let you know right now, they legalized moonshine, which brought my family out of the 30s. <laughs> so so if there they could go. take care of that, I'm sure there are other avenues to uh, um, uh, release things as possible, because uh, my family definitely benefited from moonshine. Well, you know, I'm listening different? to the individual... Did, did You had on earlier talking about the tubes going down each one of the gas tanks. Uh, right, if they right. were looking for drugs in our vehicles, they wouldn't have found it, but if they were looking for moonshine, they had better not light a match anywhere near the trucks.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely not. No, I I hear you. Well, you know, and that's just it. You know, in, in alcohol prohibition, people just didn't want to stop drinking, so they didn't. And here we are. You know, they got through it. And in the same situation... People didn't want to stop smoking pot, and then they didn't. But we just haven't put in the effort enough to finish the job. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things that every state has passed a law that the, law, the states that have passed laws, every single state yes. that has passed a law has left cannabis a crime. It has allowed for some limited thing to happen, but it still leaves a place for the plant to be a crime. And there's still people locked up in prison, state, federal prison. There's still people serving long-terms and even life sentences. And that hasn't changed one bit. And yet, there's not this giant outcry. There's not this, I mean, if anything, we've lost the wind out of ourselves. People are celebrating victory. And yet, the victory that we've gained still allows for this crime to be a crime.
5: You wonder if you could go back and do a comparison to the amendment that actually got prohibition overturned and considering that that was an actual amendment in a fight, uh, it drew more attention at the federal level instead of just being a law.
2: Well, I think that's, that's, again, there is such a lack of understanding about how our laws work. We have people today that still say, well, the president can just end prohibition. well, Okay, yeah, I guess an executive order could be announced, but at the end of the day, we have a federal law in place that says this, this thing. It's a very simple, clear law. It says no, straight up, sit in federal court and listen to what a federal judge says about it, and it's real simple. Two letters, no, you can't have it. And all it takes is a law just like any other law. And could you imagine today a constitutional amendment happening on any reason, for any reason, on any level at all? Could you even imagine that happening today?
5: I, I, today, probably not. But with the movement they had uh, with the Constitutional Convention that gained weight during the Obama administration where the states were actually signing on to it, I was looking at that movement actually thinking that that one may redevelop. But as states got a little bit smarter and discovered that if they were to do a new constitutional convention, uh, the way California would kill it is California swore that if they got involved into a constitutional convention, the first thing they would do is take away the First and Second Amendment.
1: Yeah, That's well. what their delegates <laughs> swore to
5: do. Okay? So that idea died, and the amendments that were going to go forward with that died with that moment. So. You know, even though state conventions and Georgia was the first one to sign on, California was the second. So there's your conservative state, there's your there's your liberal state and it died right after that.
1: So
5: yeah, I can I can see it rising up and it just depends on which avenue it's going to come from.
2: I I just you know the amount of cooperation it would take, the amount of unity it would take uh to get to get that kind of a of a of a vote to go through, I just, you know, today, I, I, you know, it would have to, it would, I, you know, I can't even think of what kind of an issue would cross those lines. Oh, I
5: mean, but give it, give it time. Give it time. You, you, you said something before that, you know, when you do your show, you're trying not to listen to current events or anything like that I consistently all week long. And I'll tell you how bad this is. I didn't even know there was a government shutdown until a week ago because it's not, it's not on my radar, it's not that important to me, and it doesn't affect my everyday life. But the press has gone to the point where they didn't even publicize it as much as they did under the Obama administration. It was in your face every day, every hour, this, that, and the other. They, they've toned right. it back to about one quarter of what they've done, because, you know, this, this is not good. It's, it's not making one party look good, and this is the party we support. So, right. you know, even when you look at that, you see that the press and anybody who pays attention to entertainment news – regardless of the network, notice what I said, entertainment news, they are designed to sell advertisements. And these people are designed to get you worked up over anything. This poor Cortez lady, you know, who stumbles through everything, definitely needs to uh, go back to school, but she stumbles through everything. She has become the poster child of selling advertisements. If you put her on there, whatever she says, whatever meme it is, it doesn't matter. She's probably doing it on purpose to make money because every time she's on TV, every network ups their advertising by $50,000. You know, so the people that are getting upset at her are the pharmaceuticals because they used to have cheap ads. Well, now she's driving (laughs) up the ads because more people want to hear the next stupid thing she says. But as long as you don't get wrapped around the axle, you know, as long as you don't follow entertainment news day and night, you should be a pretty healthy American with a healthy understanding of what's going on because they're not contaminating your everyday thoughts.
2: Yeah, generally speaking, yeah, catch a little – Catch a little 20-minute clip, and you'll 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 get the the gist of what what's happening, generally speaking. Yeah,
5: for the whole for the whole month. Yes. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> Crazy.
5: I, I find it very surprising. Radio? Well, we run it Saturday at noons. Um, the way the okay. university system works, uh, we have to have interns sign up for the roundtable. So every semester we have to restart the roundtable. So, if anybody is out there and interested in being an intern and you are college or high school level, I am sorry that if, once you graduate, I don't want you. You're on your own. But uh, <laughs> if you're a college or high school level, uh, you can email Hayden at HaydenCollins.org. And, you know, hey, I want to be an intern. And I'll, I'll send your email to the lead intern and they'll interview you and do whatever is necessary. But we only do 12 spots a semester because I only have 12 spots available. If you are at a university and you want credit for it, you're going to have to go through a co-op program. But if you want to put something on your resume besides the fact that you went to school, we get one heck of a reference letter. we got people working in Washington, D.C. We have people working for the European Congress that left our show. And we have one individual that's bringing down $120,000 a year working for a news affiliate in, in Louisville, Kentucky after she left the show. So there is some exposure, but it's not a big show. But what you gain is the experience. So if you're walking into a job interview and, hey, I want to be in production and I want to be, you know, in the news and this and the other, and you're any snot-nosed kid fresh out of college, well, you're just another snot-nosed kid. You come with a show attached to it with a reference letter to show, and you show where you've done production, and it's not in a university. You show where you've done honor personality, and it wasn't at a university. And you were exposed on a nationwide network. It goes a little bit further in the job interview. You have things to talk about. You've done research. You've been forced to learn how to debate on air and sound intelligent without saying uh every other word or like every other word. And believe me, after you've done this on the air several times, you have no problem speaking in public. So, yeah, the show is for high school and university students. They don't have the history. They don't understand the longevity of problems and the struggles we've had in the United States. That's why we reference history material. To current events to show them This has happened before don't panic Well I, I like the
2: way I like the way that you're approaching this I definitely want to catch your show um, You know and, and like you said Everything's already happened before This is uh, we're, we're, We have an opportunity I think today's Citizen has more power Than we've ever had And I think that most people use less of it Than they've used in, in you know a long time we have uh the the power of information we have the power to reach people without you know imagine what it would have been like to try to get a hold of 10,000 people 150 years ago you Indeed. Know, how could you do it? It, it, it you couldn't it was it was a it was months worth of work to to reach that many people and today you can do it with the click of a button and 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 a couple of good words and I think that the the art of communicating has has fallen apart. I, I look at people and they're they're always staring at their little phones and they're they're typing in shortened <laughs> abbreviated. They don't even know how to talk anymore. And you know, to to listen to somebody communicate use actual real words and and, and, and words beyond the you know one and two syllable bangers that we that we spend most of our time chit chatting about, talking about things that actually are relevant and maybe. Even going so far as to plant the seed of an idea that you can bring to life, that, that you can actually do something, that you can create a thought, have an objective, have a discussion about it, create a plan, and actually execute a plan, and cause some change in the world. that We can do that, and I think a show like yours probably uh, is fertile ground for, for, for making that happen.
5: Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's the intent. We, we want to give them an opportunity to discover outside the classroom, get outside of their political bubble, and, and that's effectively where we push them. Um, the presidential season's coming up, so our show's coming up. Just so you know, interns that come to the show, we draw names out of a jar. So everybody that announces that they're running for president, each intern will be assigned one. So I may have to take on additional interns, but you have to follow that candidate all the way through the election. You have to do weekly reports on it. And you had to do it on the like air. It. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun with that. And then if your candidate drops out, you have to endorse another candidate. <laughs> and you know what? Hey, and you know what? We've been right four times. Four presidential elections we've been right. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, look at this.
2: <laughs> your show's gonna be aired on the Coffee Party Radio Network at noon. What uh, what time zone?
5: Uh, boy I hope Eastern time zone I'm over here in Georgia okay. um, So it'll air noon on Saturday I hope I'm
2: over here in California so I don't assume anything <laughs> yeah. So <noon> <laughs>
5: Thank you very much Excellent. for having me on brother Fantastic
2: I appreciate you being here And I look forward to checking on your show I'll probably call in if you guys do call in Outstanding,
5: Outstanding. Good night All
2: right. Night. So much Hayden Collins folks and his show, The Intelligence Syndicate, uh, noon Eastern Time on Saturday. All right, up next, we got Mike and Sarah. Now, Mike and Sarah are chapter coordinators from Kansas, our new chapter, and uh, they have been busy. And uh, yesterday I got a phone call, um, and it was exciting because they were on their way to the Capitol building. And uh, Mike and Sarah, why don't you tell us what happened? you there? Mike and Sarah. This happened yesterday, and I'm not sure what caused it. I'm not sure how to fix it. So I'm going to put you back on hold, and I'll try back again. All right, let's try this one more time. Mike and Sarah, can you hear me? All right, I'm going to hang up on you, and then you're going to call back. And hopefully when you call back, it'll get through. So I'm going to hang up on you right now. There we go. Mike and Sarah, please call back. Okay. And let's see what we got. We got Tom Corby. Um, Before Tom Corby comes on, I want to continue this conversation a little bit. You know, I talk about the human solution, and I talk about the cannabis movement. And I talk about things that we've done and things that we can do beyond just the political answer. There's grassroots action that can be done um, to make change. And historically there has been grassroots action that has caused change. That ultimately if the change sticks, it'll create a law. So in as, as Hayden was talking about, historically speaking, and you know, I, I've I've been a student of history and there's uh, I love to hear that there's always, uh, you know, lots of stories that I, I'm not specifically versed on and, and, uh, um, there's so much to know. I, I, I just love learning one more tidbit of things that have happened and, and things that have changed. Anyways, in 1932, um, our economy was in the shit and there was all kinds of strikes going on and, uh. The Pennsylvania coal miners were striking, and uh, they decided to hell with it all. We're going to dig our own damn coal, and they did. There was an actual bootleg coal going on in Pennsylvania in 1932, and of course, you know, the law was against it, and people got arrested. They were digging rocks out of the mountains, and mountains that weren't theirs to dig, And they were selling it on the underground coal railroad. And you know what happened? Juries wouldn't convict them. And so much even so that the jailers, the local jailers, wouldn't even enforce these laws, and they wouldn't hold them. They weren't able to enforce these laws at the time. If you go back and you look at the history of our labor laws, I don't know how to break it to y'all. But when our Constitution was written, They weren't looking at things the same way we do today. There was not equality. Even though we talked about all men created equal, they didn't necessarily practice what they preached. Slavery was still a thing. Class disparity was huge. There was indentured servitude. There was every kind of class disparity And so the folks that were writing the Constitution weren't necessarily including everybody in that, the way that it was written. But as things have changed, the good thing is is it's it's given us the opportunity to make these changes. And, And when society decides that something's right or something's wrong, and enough of us get it in our heads that you know what, that just isn't right. They've overstepped their bounds. Then we exercise our authority. We exercise our power. And that power comes not only in the vote, but it comes in the jury box. And it comes in people that have authority. So there's a time and a place where your local cop might do the right thing if things go bad enough, you know, Think about it. To have a jailer actually say, no, we're not going to lock this guy up. Sorry. Uh, we're not buying it. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine if that was to happen today because of a cannabis crime. I could. I could imagine it. All right. We're going to try Mike and Sarah again. Let's see if we get them on. Are you there? Can you hear me? Mike and Sarah. Yeah, Joe. Hi.
1: How's it there going, Joe? Excellent, Joe. Yeah, we had some weird
2: Last week, but I'm glad glad you're here So tell us about your adventure at the Capitol Oh yeah,
6: we just went up there And we took some uh, marijuana bill information To just about every senator and representative Or at least their secretary that we could get to It was quite a few
2: Who all came with you guys? I understand it was uh, Ann was there And uh, Chris Howell
6: yeah, and Chris brought a friend of his or another member from out there.
2: Excellent, so, yeah, there
6: excellent. Was, there was
2: so, five of us. Where is Topeka on the map in reference to where you guys are at? You guys are over in Wichita, right?
6: Yeah, it's about two and a half hours north of here.
2: Okay, so that's a good little, good little drive. And uh, how long were you out there?
6: Oh, we were there for about four or five hours.
2: And, and how many people do you think you actually talked to, I mean, uh, that, that you engaged?
6: Every single one of them's door, except for the basement. So we went through five floors of representatives and senators and passed down information. And if they weren't in, we talked to their secretary. We actually had a meeting with one senator who's presenting a marijuana bill uh, next week. It's not even finished yet. I mean, but the state of marijuana in Kansas right now, after going to Topeka, bro, and seeing everything and talking to these people is a shit show.
2: (laughs) Imagine that, coming out of of Kansas where they have shit storms.
6: (laughs) Oh, man. Listen, they're going to pass a medical marijuana bill,
2: but none of them are really going
6: to be anywhere near what we want them to be. I think we're going to have better luck when Trump signs it in and makes it the same as alcohol and tobacco.
2: So you you think that uh, – but, but you think something's going to pass through this session?
6: Yeah, definitely in Kansas. Something will. It, it, pretty, it, was, pretty it was a pretty friendly environment overall. And, and last year, Sarah said it was pretty nasty, like they were shitty slamming doors in your face. And this year they were really? open, and most of them were like, "Hey, glad to hear it. You know, we look forward to it." So at least,
2: at least they're on the surface acting like they're friendly to the idea.
6: Yes. Yes. Oh, well, Yeah. See, that's when it's coming into these all these different bills. You know, like this new guy, the one I just sent her that we talked to. I haven't seen the bill. I haven't read it yet. But some of the information that I have on it is basically he's trying to do like a Bradshaw grab, for everything basically has to go through one company owned by somebody. You know what I mean? He's trying to—it's a money grab. He's trying to control the whole thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, and he's got
6: uh, and he's got American shaman people working with him and stuff. And it's like, come on, guys, we see you. Come on, quit playing. <laughs>
2: Well, that's the elephant in the room. People don't get it. You know, most of these laws that have passed, the support behind them have been big business just trying to get their foot in the door. Everybody sees what's what's coming at one point, and you know, the, they're they're just stakeholders trying. To, it's just like the the gold rush. It's just like the oil rush. It's just like everything. These guys come rolling in, and they're 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 playing cutthroat right now, trying to trying to you know get their stake in this before it all comes open.
6: Oh yeah. That's that's what it's all about right now, man. And it's
2: and it's just getting you know, it's just getting
6: nasty, you know, what I mean out here in Kansas, like we're gonna we're probably gonna pass the worst marijuana laws that have been passed in of all the states.
2: I don't know there's been some pretty bad ones that have passed. <laughs> you got a lot of competition. Yeah. But if anybody can pass the worst law that would grant a freedom, I'd say Kansas would be the one to do it.
6: Yeah, you know, Missouri's and Oklahoma's, theirs are all pretty nice. You know, you can have 18
2: plants, you
6: know, of your own.
2: Yeah, it blows me away that Oklahoma actually did something somewhat decent. I mean, you know, it still falls short of, of decriminalizing it, but still, uh, it, it, it's more reasonable than most of them, that's for sure. Better than California's.
6: We did actually have a senator tell us who is a physician, a doctor. Who said that? She, and she would prefer we just go recreational because she doesn't even want to write prescriptions for people. If they want to choose to go that way, they can just choose to go that way.
2: Yeah, that's a that's a weird conversation because you know no matter what, it's medical whether people acknowledge it or not. And if they use it recreationally, right. it's still medical. But to have to have a a, a recommendation for it to be medical. That's, that's the part that's screwy, you know. I mean, you don't have to have a doctor's recommendation to take an aspirin, do you, or to uh, go, you know, uh, make yourself a pot of chamomile tea or anything like that, even though that's medicinal and recreational if, you know, it makes you re- relax a little bit and it's not, you know, curing anything in particular. But I think there's just a, you know, we, we have these terms that people have classified, uh I don't know. In my opinion, poorly, um, but you know, it, it is what it is. So, you know, these conversations that have enough common sense in them usually scares people off or puts people off for sure.
6: Yeah, she was just saying she would prefer it be like aspirin or ibuprofen or whatever, where you could just go get that if you wanted to. You know. What do you think? What do you think about this House Bill 420? What what if they if what what's the human solution doing if Trump makes it just the same as alcohol and tobacco? Are we well, just going to fight for gonna, people to get out of jail?
2: Yeah, at the end of the day, until until we live in a place like okay, so say if it's like tobacco or alcohol, is anybody in prison right now because of tobacco or alcohol just for possessing it or or driving with it or whatever? I mean, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about something that actually has a victim. There's plenty of places where somebody could steal pot or, or you know, cause harm <laughs> to somebody in a in an indirect thing that had something to do with pot. I'm talking about the possession, right. cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, transportation. If if it's in such a way that that is not no longer a crime, and I guess the age thing is always gonna be a, a debate, but if the point is is if there's a way that you can lose your freedom by having or growing this plant, no matter how much. You know, the the problem with tobacco is you can't grow tobacco, you can't grow a commercial profit tobacco without, you know, some some hugely regulated thing. You can't you can't legally grow a, a tobacco plantation unless you've got ridiculous permits and alcohol you know you can you can grow your own you can you can make your own beer to a point and you can i think you can even make some whiskey to a point but you can't you can't sell it you can't do anything with it so i'm i'm not entirely okay with that it'll be real hard if 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 he passes something like that i'll tell you what my job will be a lot harder 'Cause ultimately I just want freedom. I just want this to be a free plant. But I think if they right. if they made it like alcohol and tobacco, I'd have a virtually impossible time getting anybody to, to rally up and say, you know, let's let's finish the job. I think that'd be the death knell in the movement.
6: Yeah. The other thing that we did, that we did speak to our representatives about was criminal justice reform, and once laws change, making sure we're getting people out of jail who shouldn't have been there in the first place because they didn't commit a crime. And in well, part about- of me saying all of, uh, they're 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 with that. They 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 believe in that too. Uh, the ones that are for it are definitely for Lacey Cruz. Like I said, I had some representatives that we legislators that we went and spoke to, and they actually repeated what I said to the media. And that's basically, you know, drugs are a mental health issue and not a crime. You know what I mean? I don't care. If you want to lay up in your house and do heroin all day long, I mean, that's not my business. That's nobody's business. And the only person you're hurting is yourself. And put people in prison for that is just, just a mental health thing.
2: Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with you. There, there, there's, I mean, if I want to sit there and go home and and, and, and drink some lye or Drano or, or dish soap or eat a Tide Pod, whatever, if it's not hurting you... But what, what do you care what I do? You know, if it's not hurting anybody else, it's not causing any harm. I don't have any kids that I'm that I'm you know, putting at risk, I'm just taking care of myself the way I want to, hey. I I I, I think life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness covers that one.
6: Yeah. Well you know, out here in Kansas it's a big deal because our sentencing guidelines for the drug grid is like everything is prison. I'm talking about right. the lowest bottom felony. There's about six boxes that are not prison. Everything else is automatic prison.
2: Right. Oh, I know. It's it's a it's a it's an institutional problem. Well, I am very very proud of you guys, and I'm very pleased that you guys are are out there just taking some action. And I, I hope all the rest of the chapters. You know, learn from this, and even if you live in a state where there is a law that says you can do something, um, you know, I've got one of the cases we're supporting is in Ohio, where they have a law that says you can do something, and they're fighting for their lives, fighting for their freedom, still, even though they were supposedly following this law, and it doesn't matter necessarily. So, you know, I I'd say the chapters all the members all the people that are even thinking about participating in this organization get out there and do something and listen and watch the people that are and you know we can do what they're doing it's not that hard you can show up at your capitol and you can walk the halls start knocking on doors every single door that's at your capitol building has somebody that can influence something and you can influence them so it seems like a a simple solution, it's just the hardest part is getting up there and taking that first step. So I'm just tickled about that. And let's say somebody is in the Kansas area and they decide they want to get more involved. How would they reach you guys?
6: How would they reach us, Sarah? Oh, uh, just uh, what? What? <laughs> uh, 316. Oh, uh, sorry. Four
4: zero
6: nine nine seven eight nine. Excellent. Or you an email us. I,
4: just...
6: yeah, that I
2: wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to trick y'all.
6: <laughs> no, I was just trying to figure out what contact to use, how much information to give. You know, I wasn't trying to throw the business out there necessarily. You know what I mean?
2: I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. It's just, it's just you, me, and a hundred thousand of our friends. Right? <laughs> the federal government. <laughs> Hi, guys. Exactly Awesome, alright, well Mike and Sarah Kansas chapter, very tickled And proud of you guys And uh, look forward to hearing the next uh, The next exciting adventure Sounds good Joe, have a good night Bye guys Alright, we'll talk soon Alright, we got Bobby Rodrigo up next And Tom Corby behind him And Bobby Rodrigo Welcome to the show, how are you doing today?
7: I'm good. I'm good. You got tentacles going on here. It's almost like the Union International is like the octopus. You're touching so many we wonderful subjects, or or maybe wonderful is not the right word, but you're touching so many important subjects. And and so I want to rant if you'll give me a, a, a give me a minute because you you cover so many wonderful things, or again <laughs> important things. I guess is the I'm right it. word. Uh, so number one. I want to emphasize to everybody, Human solution International is both important and unique in the sense that it is, it is true to a platform that is for the people in a way that rarely you see consistently for so long. And, and you, they touched upon, in the last few discussions that were going on, they were touching upon subjects that are important, including apathy and being satisfied with situations that really are not helping us. And, and I want to emphasize that please pay attention to the subjects that are being talked about because these are truly important. And, and so that's number one. And, and number two is, like, for example, you were talking to North Korea, I mean, Kansas. I'm sorry. So, you know, if you guys if you guys look at the, the – the, Joe and I met in our advocacies. You know, we've been doing this a long time. For whatever reason, we each been doing this personally for a long time. And we met in North – I mean, I'm sorry, North uh, Kansas. We met – because of cannabis and 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 we also worked on other cases in kansas and now again we are connected to kansas and and this is important in the aspect of showing how brandability is i mean I, i'm i'm joking around a little bit with north korea thing but the reason i say it that way is if you know i'm a logistics guy from the navy i was an old radar man so if you if you look at kansas from a satellite I mean, not Kansas. I'm sorry, North Korea. If you look at North Korea from a satellite, it's like dark in the middle of Asia. If you look at Kansas, I swear you're gonna have just some people that are running around a big old flashlight, making it work, and we got to applaud them. And we got to again, it's another reason why you want to talk about the Human Solution International. I mean, these things. When you highlight these issues, and it's so important. I mean, you're looking at. I was listening to going to a different tentacle. I was listening to you guys talking about. You know, the, the sentencing aspects of Kansas and the sentencing aspects federally. I mean, life without parole is not even a sentence federally. It's just life. You know, Joe is very – understand that Joe is telling you gospel here, okay? So I've been – I since Reagan. And, and when you the, – the sentencing guidelines were changed under Reagan. They eliminated parole as an option in federal sentencing. It doesn't matter what the crime is. Victim, victimless doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. You make 15 days, I'm sorry, you make five days, a month in good time for your sentence. And that's if you have a nonviolent crime, for example, which, you know, violence is victim, so we we won't go down that road. So when you talk about people who are going to die in prison, it's gospel. This is, I mean, just go to your Google page, everybody, and type in federal sentencing guidelines and Ronald Reagan, and he created this illegal judge. Panel that doesn't even fall into the constitution And they may be sentencing guideline Commission thing and and this Was right after Lyndon B. Johnson We talk about history again you were covering History with the wonderful Hayden Collins Earlier so so when you Talk about party lines hey Lyndon B. Johnson you know the great president right Yeah okay whatever and and He created a, uh, uh, He created a, a task Force because the civil rights Movement properly recognized that judges were sentencing black and, and minority people and poor people Longer sentences than they were sentencing white rich people for the same thing So what, the, so what they did was they eliminated discretion from the judges in sentencing And they created a, what they call a determinate sentencing guideline Which means that there is no discretion allowed Based upon the history of the individual in front of them They must do this and, and when they sentence them so, they basically gave all the discretion to the damn prosecutors and the police. They never fixed the problem. They moved the deck chair. And that's how they did that. And this all happened to Johnson and Nixon and Reagan, implemented these sentencing, these guidelines, and eliminated the Parole Commission. And basically, for the majority of the decade of the 80s, people who fell under the old guidelines of parole were arguing with in court because they were being dissed because they kept being adopted into the new president. So these people who are in jail federally, like our friend in Terre Haute, for example, are, are dealing with something where they have no options other than clemency and pardon because of the, the nature of the laws that were implemented to, keep, to control us and to keep people in jail. And, and, and again, I go back to the Human Solution International being a very important aspect. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to go down a negative road, but it's important that you understand the dynamics that we're in. I want to let everybody know on this show that just today, and, again, this goes on a long list. I was actually doing some patent research last week. G Pharmaceuticals has just applied for another patent for THC. Now, think about what we're talking about here. Huge pharmaceutical company coming in, and they want to patent something that we all know has worked since I don't know, 10,000 years ago, maybe 20, I don't know. The science is, what, 70, 80 years old that this has been going on? The actual science of cannabis related to just health. I mean, forget the fact that we should be able to use it anyway. And G Pharmaceutical just apply for another patent of all these patents that have already been issued or they're applied for, and then the ones that the federal government have, they exist. And yet they're going to tell you and me and Joe and you and the National and our whole community and the world over that you cannot do what you've been doing, known that you were doing, because some company with some money is going in there to try and lock us out and make that happen just like they did. Again, So You cannot get complacent on the basis of medical laws that come in. It's a step. But that's what the, 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 the movie. So can't. Kansas, I say Kansas is a career. If Kansas goes to medical marijuana, it's because G Pharmaceuticals and these other companies go, hey guys, look, we're going to come in and make some. We're going to come in and It's going to keep us out of jail, and that's not going to stop all these overregulation." That is going on and stepping on the little man. It's almost like, well, we're going to move the deck chair, so now we won't put you in jail, but we won't let you benefit from this at all. Even been the ones that have been getting hurt by it from the whole time. I mean, Joe Joe was facing life in prison for Right. I mean, and here he is. You know, I know it's it's a front line issue when it comes to so many of us on why this is so why this is so important to pay attention to as this moves along. I mean, Kansas is. And, and you know what? I would, I would take all the politicians in Kansas and run them down to Oklahoma because as far as I'm concerned, Oklahoma has implemented the best, the best cannabis laws. And, I, you know, I don't know what that means, best laws. I'm not sure. That's like a really that's, – that's bad. Best laws. But they have <laughs> – where do you go with that? But Oklahoma has implemented, I guess, the, the most the, – the, the laws are the closest to liberty. They have rejected government. They have rejected heavy regulation. And they, and they basically said, and they did it in five minutes. So it's like, run those guys down to Oklahoma, run them just some dispensaries, have them sit down and say, look, you know, and, and make them and push them that way because, you know, if Kansas does it, wow, there's actually hope in in the sense that, you know, less people are put in jail because Kansas is uh, North Korea. And I'm sorry to admit, I'm sorry to ran away, Joe, but I, I just, I, I mean, it's, when I listen to these things, you know my legal background, and you know how long I've been fighting this, and and, and I hate I hate what's going on. Of course, it's just as much as you do, and so many other of your listeners and your supporters and your members. And 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 one of the Hayden Collins you had on, and I wasn't there for the whole conversation. Hayden's a personal friend. I was actually press secretary for his congressional attempt to unseat Barry Loudermilk inside the same party, because every. I'm anti-label, anti-anything I could care less if I'm a Republican, Democrat It's all about the person You know, Hayden was a Republican On that ticket, Sarah Swain was a Democrat I support him equally But I'll tell you something about Hayden That is amazing, more than anything else And I'm sure he didn't talk His wife Who's also a good friend of mine They they raised Or helped raise or help Forty children All by themselves 40 children, people, 40. All kinds of, I mean, children of, you know, uh, children who didn't have a problem to children that had the worst problems. They are some of the most amazing people that you'll ever want to meet in your life. And, and, and just a quick story about him. So when I was doing the disaster relief that everybody knows about, that knows me, and you know, Joe, and a lot of your followers on Human International, so I was so frustrated because we had people – this was very early in the response to Puerto Rico, and we had people that were just – we couldn't get anything to them. We couldn't get in. We couldn't – the port was tied up. And, and Hayden is the third in command in the Georgia National Guard. And, and I don't care if they hear this because it's a year later and they can kiss my butt anyway. So I called Hayden because we work we work in disaster stuff all the time, and I'm complaining to him. I'm like, Hayden, I gotta, I gotta and, and he, and, and, he and, and he and Commander Rodrigo
1: <laughs>
7: arranged for a drop in Puerto Rico from the Air National Guard, and that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> I just, anyway, sorry to take up so much of your time, but I just had to go with it. Um, you know, I Well, it's all drinks. good. We
2: got I, I, uh, you you know, time for yeah. Tom Corby and a and a real short story. So Bobby, always a pleasure, and I am I'm, I'm pleased to have you uh, taking a more active role in the show. And uh, I always like uh, hearing a good rant. That's for damn sure.
1: <laughs>
2: all right, you guys
7: take care. Have a great night, and uh, and, we'll see you next week. and we'll
2: see you next week. Excellent. Thanks, Bobby. Bobby Rodrigo, folks. Coffee party. Coffee Party Radio Network. He's uh, a host of a, a number of shows, part of I don't know how many organizations, and also a member of the Human Solution, Bobby Rodrigo. All right, um, before we bring up Tom Corby, um, I want to bring up two two topics. One is, there's a type of person and there's a person that will act when the environment's right. And when the civil rights movement was really starting to light up, there was a lot of different approaches to it. Some were militant violent. Some were, you know, Martin Luther King and, you know, the, the, the make change through peace. And there was a group called the Freedom Riders. And I encourage you to look them up. There was a, some amazing stories of courage. And these were people that just were not going to be changed, and they were willing to put some of these new laws to the test, and they were willing to push some of these new laws into existence. And five years ago, almost right now, I think is about five years ago, we, we got on that bus, and we went up to Mich- or uh, Montana to go help out a guy who was facing 99 years in federal prison, and I just gotten out of jail in 2012 and 2013, uh, and into January, uh, we hopped on that bus and we 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 drove. We didn't have money, uh, to get there and back, we had gotten some money raised to get there, and you know, we were we were living hand to mouth, and and uh, it was some real grassroots activism going on. And I called it the journey for justice that was the trip, and and I and I said, you know, we're the modern freedom riders, and, and we're willing to, you know, get out there and do what it takes and, and push these things. Now, obviously, we were predominantly a bunch, of, a bunch of white folks on a bus going up to Montana. So it was in no way the, the, the risk and hazard of, of, uh, to our safety and well-being as, as, as a bunch of, uh, of black folks that were going through uh, the south in the 50s, um, I, I can't even compare that, but we did have <laughs> a, a green bus that was painted the, the, the cannabis, and it was obvious that this was a, a cannabis-friendly, uh, uh, somewhat militant group of folks, so we did stick our necks out there a bit. We got pulled over in Oregon, of all places, um, this was, again, I guess before they had passed their legalization law um but i just want you guys to look up the freedom riders and take a minute and study or or there maybe there's a documentary on them but just study that concept and and what's it going to take for us to decide that it's worth it to take a risk to stick your neck out there to just do what it takes regardless of what happens because it needs to be done that's the first thing the second thing i want to bring I guess I'm going to go a couple minutes long because Corby's going to come on at the end of the show. But um, a good friend of mine passed away last week, and uh, I just want to honor her for a moment. Um, her name was Wanda Smith, and Wanda was an in, was a unique individual. She um, I'm writing my 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 tales, and one version of these tales is, is the Human Solution history. And uh, Wanda's going to represent a whole chapter because she was one of these people that um, was very unique. She didn't give a damn what anybody thought about anything. She lived out in the desert, off the grid, didn't even have a well. She had truck water in. She 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 was her own person. And uh, she came out to my collective. She, she had grown some pot and came to me referred by... One of our members, and uh, we started talking, and you know, she grew some pot, and it was okay. But she was a good, good person, and she was reasonable. So we, we worked together. And then when I went to trial, <laughs> when I was running my collective, I had over four thousand patients. And when I got raided and I got shut down, I had people. Say we're gonna be there with you. We're gonna stand by, by you, no matter what. We're there, you know. Stay there with us. Don't, don't shut down. You know, fight the fight. We're there for you. By the time my case was done, I believe there was maybe three or four members of our collective that were still standing by my side, and Wanda was one of them. And when I went to trial, and I was actually sitting on the defense for 18 days, Wanda drove out of the desert. Didn't just drive out of the desert. She stopped and picked somebody up, at least one person, out of her way. It wasn't a direct route, but she went way out of her way, picked up this person, and, and, and drove in and was there at my trial, rallied with the, with the protesters sat in courtroom and she was willing and was willing but she did she testified on my behalf and wanda would have said anything she would have if i if i told her you know what just say this she would have done it as i would do for anybody but she just i told her just tell the truth tell her what tell him what happened and she did and The amount of people that were willing to do that, I can remember when they finally gave me a defense and uh, I was going around asking people to testify. Most people were afraid. And, uh, you know, there was a handful of people, mostly the volunteers and employees of the the place that testified, but even some of them were afraid to really get out there and say what happened what didn't happen and then later on as the human solution went on we had people come and go and people cause problems and she always saw things for what they were and when people would make claims and accusations she'd always say well
1: that's funny that's not what I
2: noticed that's not what I saw and she always she always was there and she was like me in a lot of ways. She wasn't one of these people that, uh, you know, live their lives on Facebook and talk about their woes every second of the day and every little thing has to be, you know, acknowledged. And, oh, I did this and I did that. Look, it's there. She wasn't one of those people and neither was I. I didn't advertise every time I went and saw her. and We saw each other a lot more than I saw a lot of other people that, we're a lot closer. Anyways, um, about two weeks ago, we went out. And she decided she was she had kidney failure. We worked together for a while. I think the cannabis medicine kept her alive for a lot longer and uh, gave her a quality of life that I don't think she would have had. She had her kidneys were shot for years, and uh, I, I believe cannabis oil helped her out a lot of that. But going to dialysis two, three, four times a week for so many years, she finally just had enough, and uh, she called me up and said, you know, I, I'd like to see you, because I'm kind of, I'm done, done with the hospital, and and uh, we, me and my wife went out there to see her, and, uh, you know, she was already in kind of sad shape, she was swelling up, because without your kidneys working, you know, you're, you're, you, you fill up with fluid, and all the poisons just kind of gather up, and um you know we talked for a little while and she said, you know, I don't have any regrets and she said I'm uh doing this on my own terms. She goes I just can't can't take the pain anymore and and uh it's just it's just it's just too much I can't I can't handle it anymore. <clears throat> and uh, it was funny cuz my wife was there and she asked if she could have a ribbon and of course my wife was wearing a ribbon and and uh so we we took one last picture together, and so if you go to my public figure page, figure page and you see that picture of her, uh, that was, you know, her last week of life, and uh, she she wanted to uh, make it clear that, you know, she was her and I and, and and this organization and you know freedom in general. She was she was about liberty. Said, well, her and I didn't agree on everything, but neither one of us cared it we all that that's what it's all about we we, we both have the right to to think differently about things and uh but we did agree on this that cannabis is uh something that shouldn't be restricted or or kept from and i i, I proudly uh enabled her to have uh, illegal cannabis growth for many years and I even participated in a couple of them and uh, we both did that willingly and um it felt good. Anyways, uh, Tom Corby is going to close up the show. We're five minutes over time, and Tom's not a man of brevity, but we'll see. We'll see. Number one, I we'll want to see how Donna's doing. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
8: Oh, hello. Thank you, Joe, Mary, Becca, Lisa, and Bobby Rodrigo. Coffee Party Radio Show. We're another historical show. Uh, I'm here at uh, Orville Hospital in Room 109 with Donna Corby. You all know she has a severe stroke. She's right here. Hey,
2: She's Donna. Improved. uh she
3: uh, Left side not working well. Not
8: working well. Uh, Donna, i got to come up and see you. This is unacceptable. Work, working on keeping it working.
2: Good, good. Know, That's so. what we
3: need. we need. We need us some donuts. Yeah. It's hard. It's so it's like my leg and my hand are stuck. I go to move them and they won't go. It's not well, nice, are, are
2: you improving from where you were at least a little bit?
8: Yes, if you're improving.
3: I am, yep. Got great okay, help.
8: Okay, well,
3: here. that's Just giving me therapy and, therapy and encouragement.
8: Yeah. I can't give enough thanks, Frank, and Ann, being here for, uh, and also me. We're both going through our,
1: yeah.
8: Yes, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah.
8: Right, so, uh, yeah, we're doing better here, and, uh, I want to thank everybody today for another great show and uh, coming together to end prohibition. No one should go to jail for our sacred clams And as Don has always said, "Don't forget to breathe." Well,
2: I'm glad to hear you guys I'm are. I'm still uh...
3: breathing. If people want to know how I am, I'm still above ground and still breathing. <laughs> Right. Yep. <laughs> that's a good one. And you're currently and
2: out of custody, isn't
8: that right? Yep. That's right. Above <laughs> ground and not in custody. Ground, not in custody. <laughs> I love it. Right. I love it.
2: Well, we all got a fighting right. chance, that's for sure.
8: That's right. Together we're going to win this.
2: All right. Exactly. Together we stand? Well, you guys just let all me right. know Thank if there's anything. I will uh I will make sure that whatever you need if I have it you can have it.
8: We appreciate Don't be
2: shy.
8: that. Show. Yeah, we course, appreciate what you're sending help out. We appreciate all that. Anything I can do you guys? Anything I can do?
2: All right. Well, we're uh running a little bit long um and so I next week I'm going to be uh in Puerto Rico for a couple of days so I'm not going to be uh I'm not going to probably be able to do the show. I don't know if I got good internet. I'll give it a shot, but I know that it's been spotty there last time I last time I was there. So I've got a, a project I'm working on out there, and hopefully, uh, yeah. So may, we may not be here next week, but uh, we'll definitely be there the week after.
8: You didn't say. We're we'll probably trying to help rebuild Puerto you Rico.
2: Know? That if we can, it we'll be, be the show for Puerto Rico. Yeah, I'm gonna do it if I can. So that that's my goal. So we'll see where we go. All right, everybody. I Back. will uh, see you next week or the week after. And uh, thanks for helping me in prohibition.
5: Hi, I'm Willie Nelson and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse
8: the Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little
0: things I should have said. You were always on my